Today on Karina and Kirsten Get to Work, we're talking about building social capital and how it can make your life, frankly, pretty freaking awesome. Like a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. I did not <laughs> Welcome to Karina and Kirsten Get to Work. I am Kirsten the Chicken Baron, <laughs> and I am here with... I'm Karina Hoyer. Okay, we'll get to the chicken thing later, and we'll stop laughing about it, because we don't want you to be out of the joke. Lovely listeners. Welcome to Karina and Kirsten Get to Work. We are here to talk about all kinds of ease, meaning, and joy for women at work, from the lands of the Nooksack and the Lummy people. And by the way, it is so cold outside... <laughs> I'm just wrapped in a coat, and I think there might be frost inside the windows. It's freezing. Yeah, there, there, there was frost on the insides of our door, one of the insides of our doors. There's a little air leak, you can, it, and I know exactly where it is now. Chilly, illy, willy. Yeah, I woke up, and, and it said two on Dang. my therm- my thermometer said two. Dang. I know, crazy. But hey, I cannot wait to talk, to talk about this, so building social capital, as uh, you know, I asked to um, dig into this because Barry came home with an interesting story that I want to share with our listeners. But before we do, I have to also share that I finally discovered my word for the year. Word for 2024. Karina Hoyer is... Well, here's the funny part about it. I called you, Kirsten. After you did. This is, this, is the, this is what I want to talk about. because This I call, is hysterical, I called Kirsten uh, from my car and I was like, thinking about this and thinking about a couple of everything. So I was like, oh my God, Kirsten, Kirsten, I finally figured it out. I found out what I've, I've decided on my word for the year. And which it's always been like adventure, adventure and fun. And yes, and this year I said, I'm going to be bold. <laughs> bold is going to be my word. And Kirsten pauses for a second and she says to me, huh, are you sure? <laughs> I did. I did. And then when I, after I said it, I felt like such a jerk. I was like, oh, my God, was that jerky? And then I was like, no, it's not jerky. No. And then I came home and told my family and they kind of reacted the same. Barry said, whoa, sister, be careful. Well, that wasn't oh why God. I said, are you sure? I always think about the word of the year as orienting us towards something that we want, like, we're missing in our life. We want a lot more of in our life mm-hmm. that we're fo- whatever that we're focusing on, mm-hmm. right? And I always think of you as so beautifully bold, like perfectly bold. I'm like, oh, she's already good at that. Like, Aww. why would she? Why would she pick that when she's already got that one nailed? And then I, then I obsessed about it I because I did obsess about it because I was like. And was I not a good friend to say that? Was that a not supportive oh, thing to say? No. So I really, well, I was really. Looking at that, like, what did I mean? And then I started to get very into why Karina picked bold. Like, I was obsessed. I was obsessing. In fact, we went for a walk, like, two or three days later. We talked about something for, like, 10 or 15 minutes. And I was like, okay, now we got to talk about bold. Yeah, yeah. I think we spent, like, a good chunk of that walk talking about... Boldness. Boldness. Yeah. So why don't you share the conclusion? Well, I think the conclusion for me is that I recognize that while I may be bold in many facets of my life, there are places where I want to express myself more fully. I want to kind of step out, get out of my own way. I want to rewrite the narrative. 
that's going on in my head and I have to remind myself to be bold. And it's just in things where I feel particularly insecure, like everybody, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's that Swiss cheese thing. Yeah. It's not all of us are solid blocks when it comes to anything. In fact, I don't know anybody who is. Yeah. And I loved that it is this idea of going to those places where you fully don't bring yourself or where you don't fully bring yourself. Yeah. And I thought I was like, well, that is brilliant. Yeah. So I'm filling in the holes of the Swiss cheese with more boldness. It doesn't mean I'm even an asshole. It doesn't mean I have to, you know, like that I'm just going to say everything I want to say all the time. You know, I've finally. Right. You're not going to be unfiltered. No, I'm not going to be unfiltered. It just means like bring that fortitude that boldness elevate myself embolden you know myself to all of the parts of my life because none of them deserve not to have that exactly you know what i mean yeah so it just got to be this like are you you know you're pretty good at that are you sure yeah to this really sweet like oh yeah that's really gonna be good it is different though for you because my family did say like um wait what it was not because they were confused. <laughs> they were like, shit. They were scared. <laughs> they were scared. They were like, oh, we're uncomfortable with that. And Spencer's like, Jesus, mom, you please. That is so great. <laughs> but your kid was like, oh, mom. Oh, my God, no. Anyway, I think it's great. I love it. Karina in 2024 with bold. With bold. That's mm-hmm. it. That's just going to be me. Mm-hmm. All right. So social capital shifting gears completely now. This is also another little quick story for me, if you want, unless you want to relay it third party, third person. No, no, you tell the story. This is great. Okay, so my husband. Um, Which you talked about this in the meeting. He said, well, I'll tell you this story later. In the very beginning, you told our listeners. I'm oh, going to tell, tell you this story. story about Barry. Oh, okay. So Barry happens to work at a workplace that doesn't necessarily share a lot. They don't have a lot of um, conversations about their work. It's like, get in, get your assignment, go out into the field and do it. And... Right after the holidays, I think it was kind of in that holiday, like we're all still sort of on vacation, you know, on Christmas Mm -hmm. break, but we're not. He and the guys he works with sat around a table for, I don't know, an extra 10, 15, 20 minutes and just sort of chatted about how was your break? How did it go before they headed off to go? They measure success on projects completed, you know, only. And he came home and he's like, I kind of feel, I feel kind of bad. I I don't, you know, I kept asking people these questions and, you know, but I was really curious. I wanted to hear more about their lives and, you know, I hope we don't get, get essentially in trouble. Although that's like a very tough, you know, strong word. And I was like, honey, no, 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 no. What you were doing in that case was you were building social capital. It's something that's so important for teamwork, for workplace, for people, satisfaction, et cetera. And he had never heard the term social, social capital. capital. So then I was like, well, we have to do a show about this because it's fundamental to like it's, the human experience. It is fun and fundamental. Yeah. So we got to talk about chickens. I was going to say, which now brings us to chickens. chickens. This is an obvious straight line so from straight, Barry and his workplace right, to chickens. From Karina's boldness into Barry and into chickens. <laughs> What's new for us? Nothing. Nothing. This and is I, the same old, same old. Exactly. Don't get used to <laughs> Go any, from Barry weird. and and transition to chickens. <laughs> so do you want to talk about chickens? Because I need to take a drink of this tea. Take a drink of your tea because it's like two degrees outside. So... Many moons ago, there was an evolutionary biologist at Purdue University named William Muir who studied chickens Mm -hmm. and was interested in productivity. And he felt like chickens were particularly easy creatures to measure productivity for because they just pop out those little sweet eggs, right? That's right. 
So we you just can count the eggs, count the eggs, and you know what productivity you have. And so he decided that he wanted to know how to make his chickens more productive. So he devised an experiment where he put these chickens in groups, and then he selected just this average flock, right, in this one group of chickens and just let them go for six generations. But then he created this second group of chickens. And in the second group of chickens, he kept pulling out the most productive chickens and like creating these like super chickens. So instead of just letting kind of the flock do its own chickeny grow thing over the six generations, generations, he super chickened this other group of chickens into like the powerhouse productive chickens, a super flock. Right. So why don't you tell us what happened to those chickens? Well, after six generations, the first group, the average group, was doing pretty fine. They were just doing okay. You know, they're doing fine. They were, you know, chugging along, producing fine. Little plump, little feathered chicken egg producing. Yeah. They weren't necessarily the highest producing flock of all time, but, you know, they were doing just fine. But the super chicken flock, they all but three of them were dead. They had pecked themselves to death. Literally, they had like, first like become this highly competitive group of yeah super chickens that basically it's but they believe they 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 got their ch- chicken success by pecking <laughs> the you know what out of the other chickens, so they were suppressing the productivity of the rest of the group. Yeah. Whereas in this first group of just like regular little chickens just chickening along, there was no productivity suppression activity. Right. But that was the activity that was happening with the second group of super chickens. So that story came from a TED Talk uh, that a woman named Margaret Heffernan uh, did called Forget the Pecking Order at Work. And, you know, she uses it to illustrate the fact that what what she believes was happening with those chickens was that they had built social capital with each other and they were all getting along fine and they were all plodding along and doing their work and not in this highly competitive environment, right? Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great TED Talk. We'll link to it in and the show And funny because she's talking about chickens. Yeah. What can we learn from chickens? Yeah. And she says in the... Which I think is in some ways intuitive. Like if we're jerks to each other, we're not going to be very successful. Right. Yeah. But what she says in this podcast is... or Sorry, in this TED Talk is that the people who hear this research frequently think about their own workplaces mm-hmm. or their community or their family. That highly competitive, there's only, there can only be a few of us We're you know, we're aiming for, you know, constantly striving for best, 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 rather than focusing on building relationships feels very familiar to me. And she makes the leap that, you know, again, social capital is the thing that's missing in those workplaces. So it really resonated with me when I heard it originally years ago and when I dug it up again in advance of this show. I loved it because it was funny. Yeah, she does a she does a good job, and also it's just a funny, great story. So let's just touch on social capital. Yeah, how would you define that, Karina? Well, I think it's scholars have defined it for us, and I'm just going to read right off our notes here. It's really the presence of networks, relationships, shared norms, and trust among individuals, teams, and business leaders. So it's really just kind of this glue that holds organizations, or groups, or teams, or neighbors together. That helps you, and, and that glue 
is the stuff that helps you make, helps you feel connected, helps you build relationship, right? So as always, I always go kind of off of what, you know, the academic definitions and I have to give it my own like little twist. Yeah. Right. I have to give it, how does Kirsten understand this? Right. Sure. And I feel like social capital is different from friendship. Yeah. It's different from networking. Mm -hmm. It is, there is an aspect of trust in the relationship and there is a give and take in the relationship around Mm -hmm. benefits and resources. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, let's talk about where we might see social capital in our lives. Yeah. Okay. You have big social capital, I think, with your neighbor. Yeah, neighbor. I think my neighborhood, and I think a lot of people do see see this. And I, you know, we think about. I just want to say because this uh, metaphor just kind of popped in my mind. You know, capital is like money, right? It's mm-hmm. all the stuff that's in your pocket that you can spend in a variety of different ways on all kinds of different things. Social capital is the investment that you make in building relationships, let's say, with my neighbors, where we help each other out, where we say hello uh, and chit chat and take interest in each other's lives, where when, you know, somebody's garbage can is knocked over, we just go pick it up. Right. So they're like we're all kind of in this together and we have relationships and we have shared norms in our neighborhood. This is kind of how we behave. There may there may be some friendships in addition to that. Yeah. But the way of going in the neighborhood is not necessarily, quote unquote, friendship. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we trust each other. We live in close proximity to with, with one another, you know, and we're and, and and there's a great degree of trust. I think we see social capital in obviously in workplaces, which we're going to talk a lot about today in families in really and in social groups as well in any community in any community Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. how is it different than friendship or networks in your mind so i feel like i have a lot of people in different communities in my life that i have a lot of social capital with okay so for example there's a woman who is very politically active in our community and she always invites me to all of her political stuff. And I always invite her. I'm not her friend. I really like her. I trust her. I think she's really smart and capable and wonderful. And I love that she's engaged in our community in the way she is. So there's all these values that we share in this area. But like, I don't go out to coffee with her. She's not my friend. Mm -hmm. You know, I have on a couple of occasions collaborated with her on an event like we've both hosted or something. Mm -hmm. But it is solely limited to this relationship we have over politics, over being politically active, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I also feel like I have have relationships in my professional life outside of my law firm Mm -hmm. with other lawyers where I think they trust me. When I see them, we connect, we check in, how are things going? If they have a question that they don't want to, they want to ask another lawyer about, which is very common. I'm so happy to talk to people about stuff. Here's my opinion or thoughts or ideas or whatever. And then sometimes I call with an issue and they will offer a solution, which sometimes is their time, like their time. Sure. Like they might take over a case or they might do something like that. It's such an interesting feeling when that happens because they are not my friends. 
They are professional colleagues that I have these relationships with. And when I get a benefit from that, it's such an interesting feeling. It feels so like, like how fortunate am I? Mm-hmm. How how grateful am I that you, who has no obligation to me, yeah. has done this for me, right? Yeah. And so that in turn continues to build the relationship. So sure. now that person has a lot more social capital with me. Okay. And so so the political the person you share this like experience with with regards to politi- po- politics is not a friend. No. But you still have some re- reciprocity and trust and shared, you know, kind of Absolutely. common purpose. Similarly, this professional network. It's it is a network. But it's, what differentiates mm-hmm. this behavior from networking is that there is generosity. And in in some cases reciprocity, mm-hmm. but that's not. But it's not this like quid pro quo, right? right? And again, networking is just the presence of, of the relationship, of the presence of these people you know. When you b- build social capital, or when you have social capital with them, it's th- th- it has these other elements to it. I I think when I think of social capital, I think there absolutely has to be relationship or networking, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But I don't think networking necessarily in, is social capital because of these resources and benefits and connections that exchange between people in communities. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. how I see that as being different. Okay. Okay. And you know, there, we did pull a lot of literature about kind of the definition of social capital to try to get clear about this. This is how I made it my own. But I think, <laughs> right, I'm just going to take it. But I think that's, I mean, I think that offers probably a, the most clarity. I think that, I think what you just said is more clear than what the scholars write sometimes. Uh, oh, that's you know, a nice thing reasons. for you to say. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'll say though that they, they do assign great significance to to kind of building social capital through these informal social ties. Mm, yeah. So, and so, and that is a little bit different than what you were saying or an, an add on to mm-hmm. what you're saying, which is it's not just the formal ties, the like professional networks, it is the family the friends, the neighbors, the people with whom you have kids that are all the same age mm-hmm. that you're raising together, the people you talk to on the sidelines at the sports games, the group that all sits together at the music festival. And, mm-hmm. you know, my parents have a lot of social capital with their blues festival friends. They just all go camp. They don't see each other outside of it. They go camp and they listen to music together. But I'm sure there's a lot of trust and reciprocity and shared values there too. What else do you want to say to to help our listener understand what social capital is before we talk about how to build it and how it benefits Mm -hmm. us and all of that? Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's good. Yeah. I think we can, I don't think we need to belabor that. I mean, you know, I love to, I, I said recently, <laughs> I, my, my tendency is to state and then restate. So I feel like I'm like, did we get it? Crystal I think clear? we have stated. Yeah. 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 And so it does, it is very important mm-hmm. though, as, as we, as you can kind of picture those networks in your life that with, with whom you, you know, the people with whom you have social capital, you can see how you can be, you can benefit, be benefited personally. And even societies can benefit. 
if I could just say the one example that I just mentioned earlier to you, Kirsten, I wish I had the study in front of me, but I remember reading it because it really did play a role in, in some beha- some actions that I took in my neighborhood. I read somewhere that the neighborhoods that oh, I love had this. The hi- I know what you're talking about. Yeah, the highest degree of uh, success surviving after or maybe even thriving after a natural disaster were those neighborhoods where they had built social capital with their neighbors. Right. So they can share resources. So they could share resources. Right. And I remember I read this years ago and said, I'm going to make sure I know all of my neighbors and we're going to get together and we're going to have fun together before Mm -hmm. we have crisis together. Right. Before you have a natural disaster. Yeah. And so, you know, on a grand scale, communities benefit from social capital because mm-hmm. we can collectively heal or problem solve. Um, but individuals also benefit, right? Yep. In fact, this whole idea of social capital really just contributes to well-being. Yeah. Right? I yes. mean, we're more likely to have better employment opportunities. It even, you know, trickles down to academic performance and economic growth and individual physical health. Yeah. You know, studies show that social capital is a great contributor to the positiveness of all of these aspects of our lives, both yeah. at work and at home. Yeah. And you can see it because you have these like vast resources of people and their resources mm-hmm. and their connections and their ideas and their, you know, things that they can bring to bear. It's the network of people where each person has a different tool and pretty soon you're building a house, right? Yeah. And there's a proven downside if you don't have social capital. Yes. So if you don't have social capital, of course, you've got less of all these things, less of all these opportunities, mm-hmm. right? It is very difficult to build social capital, in communities where there are other structural advantages. Disadvantages. I'm sorry, other structural disadvantages. Yeah. So for example, if you're in a community where there is poverty or crime or people don't stay very long, like you would likely not be able to build in those communities what you have built in your neighborhood. Yeah. Because those structural disadvantages really get in the way. Mm-hmm. And they continue to trickle down because they those communities are less able to solve their problems. Mm-hmm. Understandably, Understandably. Right? Yeah. Which is also why you said recently, this is kind of a white privilege concept. Oh, absolutely. Or a privileged concept. It is a privileged concept, whether it's patriarchal, whether it's white privilege, whatever privilege it is. And it's interesting because... I have always made it a point to like share whatever social capital I have mm-hmm. with people people who are as further from power, like however you want to talk about that. But it's been a really important part of my use of my own social capital mm-hmm. is to make sure that I am benefiting people and communities I care about. Right. Right. And I do care about those communities that are further from power. Yeah. You know, which is another way of describing marginalized communities or vulnerable communities. All of these words, by the way, I just hate all of these words. Why do you hate them? I just don't like it. I don't think about people as being marginalized or people as being, they're not, I mean, they're just further from power. Yeah. They're further from resources. I mean, it's a, also a weird thing to say in some ways, but I just haven't found landed on anything that I like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you get the point. I do get the point. And it is interesting that I find it interesting that all everything we all of the benefits, everything we know about it and how to build it and then recognizing 
it's harder for people who are already having a hard time. Right. It's that it's the disadvantages. Yeah. Right. Is makes me want to think a, lo- a lot more about how I do, how I can do more of what you just mm-hmm. described. How you share your social capital. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like voting with your dollar. Right. I mean, I've always thought about that, how I spend my money. Yeah. Like whatever I buy, whatever store I frequent. And it's all about voting with your economic dollar. Same thing with your social capital. You're voting with your social capital. Right. And when I say vote, I mean supporting something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about social capital at work or do you want to keep? I want to talk about social capital at work, and I'd like you to talk a little bit about social capital at work and teams. Yeah. Are you reluctant, friend? No. <laughs> I he- I heard just the slightest bit of reluctance. Every in once in a while you go, here's what I want you to talk about. And I'm like, okay, yes, I can do that. You can. Let me think about how I want to frame my thought <laughs> right here, right now, chicken. Um <laughs> <laughs> Well, social capital. Well, it is interesting uh, if you think about it because, okay, and you know, I'm actually uh, now I'm gonna now that I'm thinking about this, I'm not gonna be able to shut myself up because the highest performing teams have a high degree of social capital amongst each other, right? And I was just talking about this before we hit record, and I was so uh, jazzed up about some recent things I read about high-performing teams that I think we're going to do another episode on teamwork. But I'm going to back this up that about and talk maybe about that team at MIT that was really looking at teamwork and kind of how people collectively solved problems, these really complex problems together, and what elements were present. And I believe that the elements that were present really are kind of directly related to social capital. So the ones that were the most successful didn't necessarily have the highest IQs, didn't necessarily have, you know, experts in these fields. No super producing chickens. Yeah, there were no super chickens. (laughs) Instead, they really had these three characteristics. First, they showed high degrees of social sensitivity to each other. And you can't build social capital unless you are sensitive to each other. Because that requires trust. Right. You know, social capital requires a trusting relationship. Yeah. And it's difficult to trust, right? Mm-hmm. When you don't try when you when you don't have confidence that somebody else is going to have sensitivity to your feelings and situation, experiences and circumstances. That's right. Yeah. But I also wonder if these groups it had to have been randomized groups in these. It's not like we said you team over there. The, the MIT said you that team that's been working together and building, you know, for the last 5 years come sit together and solve this problem. They just randomly put people together. Yeah. Okay. So, so they, so they didn't necessarily have social capital with each other, but they were able to uh, show a high degree of social sensitivity to each other when they were problem solving. The second thing that successful groups had was that they gave other people roughly equal time to talk. And that's also about vulnerability. Mm-hmm. and trust mm-hmm. you know there's not just one person yapping all the time and the third thing which is you know probably related was the more successful groups had women in them well i don't i i i love that by the way let's just stop for a moment mm-hmm. so who was more successful oh oh that's right they're the teams that had more women i just love saying that I don't know if it's related to social capital. I don't know. You know what I mean? But No, I it just, isn't. And we just talked about this in female leadership, mm-hmm. what, four or five episodes ago. About Yeah. The mere presence of a woman on your team makes it a better team. 
It's fascinating. Proven out time and time again. And again, we see it. And again, we see it. It's so interesting. But what were you going to say? That was what I was going to say. Okay. That's all. That's it. And so this, these, these highly successful teams in the MIT research study would have, it, it appears to me as they would have also had the elements that would have allowed them to build. They are evidencing yeah. in these findings yeah. the same components that we see in social capital. Yeah. And there's lots of studies out there about effective teams and these same elements of social capital. There's a couple of studies that I saw that are directly social capital in teams, but you know, it's just this kind of as as we this as we look at things grossly. I mean, across the spectrum. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's no question that social capital is related to effective teams. It is. Right? And and you can think about it, right? You think about teams that you've been on, where you know each other, where you share information about your lives, where you're able to be vulnerable, where there's trust, where you genuinely care for one another, mm-hmm. when when you're all motivated towards the same things. Those are the teams that have a high degree of social capital. That's how we define it. Yep. And when you do have social capital at work, you know, it's very clear. We've got decades of research that tells us that social capital not only has better teamwork, they have it creates better individual performance, yep. a better transfer of knowledge among workers greater innovation innovation and more increased career advancement so it's not just the team yeah but it's both the team and the individual the community and the, the community individual and the, individual. the workplace and the individual it's just an interesting dynamic yeah and people yeah generally feel better they have a they report a higher sense of belonging at work mm-hmm. too which we know yes is super super flippant important yeah and back to this you know kind of story of barry at work he was in essence, again, building social capital with his teamworks, t- team members. He was engaging in behaviors that were more than simply do the task, move on to the next right. task. It was about let's get to know each other so that we can have trust and confidence in each other. Yep. So that if there is an issue at the job site, hey, we're going to have this little bit of juice to go on. Yes about I trust you or I've shared this with you and you were trustworthy. So let's try to share this issue. Right. Yeah. Or I can be vulnerable mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And and one of the ways that they assess social, cap- the role of social capital at work is to look at a couple of things um, like motivation and access and ability. Mm, yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. How they're looking at, um, really, are you motivated to build and maintain relationships? Are you in an environment that encourages relationship building? Again, with Barry, do, do, you, do, they, do, do, do we at meetings expect that a couple of minutes are going to be getting to know each other? Is it okay to stand at the coffee machine and share information about your weekend? Or do you just need to get head down back to work, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Are you able to put pictures of your kids on the walls and share their success or do you need to hide that right because that is this idea of having access right is there an opportunity to access these relationships and to create these relationships that built social capital yeah yeah and i guess the third thing is yeah that ability do you have what you need to do Mm -hmm. it like time and Mm -hmm. resources etc and if if the answer is yes to those and you're still feeling like feeling like hmm I don't really know if I have a ton of social capital in my workplace or with my colleagues you know there are some pretty simple things that you can start to do if again if it's allowed if you're if you have the skills and access and the motivation 
to kind of move towards building more social capital. I, I have to say, I have been so grateful and appreciative of social capital in my work life. Mm. Like it has been transformational at times in my life, right? How, how transformational, how? I had a really tricky problem that I was not sure how I was going to solve. And somebody outside of my law firm who has no like monetary relationship with me, right? Basically was generous with me, Mm. made what I would call a gift, transferred a resource or a benefit to me that allowed me to solve a problem and move forward with no obligation, right? Mm -hmm. And that has happened over and over again. I've had questions, you know, hey, I'm just calling to pick your brain. You know, I have this one colleague, Simon, who listens to our podcast, and I he is a friend for sure, for sure he's a friend. But I also feel like we have a lot of social capital between each other around our work. Mm-hmm. How are you handling this? You know, this new law came out and he's like, what are you doing? Have you looked at it? And, you know, I'd call him to say, hey, hey, what's up with this for you? He goes, well, I haven't even looked at it yet. What are you doing? Have you looked at it? Do we have da, da, da? So we have these great conversations. Mm-hmm. So I just really encourage people to build that social capital so that when you need it, it's available. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about building it. Yeah. Right. So you're filling up the bank here. We're talking about things that you do to fill up that social capital bank. Yeah. Okay. And go the ahead. First one is talk to people. Oh, how fun is that? That's just it. People are wonderful. And again, so interesting. You have to be in a position. You have to be at a workplace that allows for that. Some don't still. Mm-hmm. Um, others, I read, ban coffee mugs at desks so you have to go into the shared lunchroom or the oh wow whatever break room to drink your coffee so that you'll chit chat with your oh that's great i mean it's weird but also great yeah and chit chat about how was your weekend Mm -hmm. what was your oh i see you've got a so-and-so on your desk does that mean you know you recently one of my clients was wearing a punk rock t-shirt she's an accountant Mm -hmm. and i was like huh that's so incongruous in my mind. I couldn't figure it out. Turns out she and her husband love punk, going to punk rock concerts. Like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Ask questions. And if you don't have a workplace where that is happening, like I will often go out to lunch with somebody. Like if I if I think somebody is doing interesting work mm-hmm. or I want to know more about them, well, let's get together and have, and have lunch or a cup of coffee, right? Or go out after work for a drink. So there are ways to just like – Take time to get to know people, to understand how their work may relate to your work or to share work experiences. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And also just share experiences. Right. Like, now, maybe that's at this moment just networking, mm-hmm. but maybe it leads to social capital. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. The other one I think is connect. Interestingly, uh, I read that um, technology can really help in this arena. And I was thinking about that. I actually have one of my social media accounts that I let sort of that I accept friend requests from people I don't really know. Mm -hmm. Now, some of them are on lockdown and I just don't like my personal, you know, but yeah, you can build some a little bit of social capital by like letting some people in who are not your, you know, your best, the, the tightest circle, your best friends and let them see parts of your life. That's also another way. Mm -hmm. And I think that, talking great but that really is what we're talking about is connection Mm -hmm. and that is not one interaction Mm -hmm. right so there needs to be a commitment to 
whatever that connection is, Mm. right? Like checking in again. Like I have people that I check in with like once a quarter or a couple of times a year. They are not friends, right? But they are important connections in my life that maybe it is just networking. Mm -hmm. But more often than not, it turns into some kind of an exchange of social capital. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I think this is the big one, which is if you want to receive social capital, you have to give social yeah. capital. Yeah. You have to look for an opportunity to give or be generous with somebody else. Yep. Whether that is sharing information, whether that is sharing a contact. Oh, I think you should talk to this person. This is a really interesting person for you on this issue. Mm-hmm. So I just make it a point in so many, and it's, I think it, it this point in my life it's pretty natural like I don't even think about it anymore but I'm always looking for an opportunity to say okay how can I help how can I contribute Mm. right Mm -hmm. and that is part of my core values of my Mm -hmm. life blah 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 but it's really helpful here because shockingly that makes me feel good in the moment but it also has led to these other experiences where I get this thing back that I'm not expecting yeah 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 and you're not giving because you expect to get to get it's not quid pro quo you're just giving to give Mm -hmm. i recently called somebody i haven't spoken to in five years just to give them a juicy tip about some work that i think that they they would um perfect be be good for see that's perfect and again today that was about two days ago and then today i called someone i haven't spoken to in two in two weeks two years three years and said hey I'm doing a little head hunting for another client and you came to mind. Any, 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 uh, chance you're looking for a new job? Like that's simply giving. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it might benefit my other client, but I'm just like, Hey man, let yes. me get and give a little bit of time to them and call this person. And I might be giving opportunities to this other person. Mm-hmm. Not cause I expected a leverage come around, but I guarantee it will. It, that's what's so fascinating about the universe. Yeah. Stuff just comes back. Yeah. Right. It's like a boomerang. It's a boomerang. It's like a boomerang. But, you know, when you think about social capital, Kirsten, there's something else that really came to mind for you, right? That when you're building social capital, what? What was it? Are you talking about being authentic and trustworthy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like you have, you know, that's the whole point of the connection. Yeah. It's like, I am somebody you can trust. Yeah. Right. I am who I tell you I am. Yep. That's who I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to be somebody else or um, change my values or whatever it is. You can rely on me to be who I am. Yep. And, you know, like, I mean, I think it's about me also being willing to be vulnerable and show who I am. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And to be like, as you said, in the very beginning, sensitive to other people's feelings. Mm-hmm. Right. To kind of have some empathy and, um, you know, reliability, mm-hmm. right? Which is all of the elements of authenticity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And because that's what you want to bring to these situations. Yeah. That's all part of it. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it does come back to you. It, it comes back to you and it comes back to your community and it comes back to your workplace and it comes back to those around you. And, it, and I loved this quote from that TED Talk. She said, social capital is something that you earn even while you're spending it. Oh, yeah. And I thought that's such a great thing. This isn't something to be hoarded. No. Like, 
just, yeah, it's that generosity and mm-hmm. authenticity and trust building. It just builds on itself the more you spend it. Yes. Yeah. And I do, before we end, I just really want to call out one more time that idea of who we share our social capital with mm-hmm. and being really intentional about creating and sharing social capital in a way that brings equity to mm-hmm. our community, which mm-hmm. is so great because it's like, as I said in the beginning, you know, I really feel like when we spend money, we are making an economic vote. Yeah. And the same is true with our social capital. Yeah. So spend it in a super meaningful way. Yeah. Yeah. Super meaningful. Absolutely. Build it and spend it in meaningful ways. And you'll continue to build it while you spend it. And if so, if your boss is what the hell, get back to work. How come you're chit-chatting? You're building social capital, sister. <laughs> I'm not so sure that's going to work real well, but somebody could give it a try. <laughs> hey, we're not chit-chatting. We're building social capital. Well, you are. It's yes, not for slack. We're not saying go slack off, but we're right. saying invest the time. Right. It's okay. It's great. It's great. It's great. And the, all the research supports, it will increase all of the ease, meaning, and joy of our life. Except, which is what Certainly we has want. for me. Exactly. All right, sister. Take care, listeners. Thanks for listening. Bye. Karina and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded and produced by yours truly, Karina Hoyer and Kirsten Barron. Find all of our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on our website, or email us at yougettowork at gmail.com. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening.